those of you who have been with us in the past weeks know that we have been on a 50-day adventure together. Um, and during that time, if you are working through the daily workbooks, you will know that this week uh, we are talking about the, the characteristic of God that is mercy. So that we can tell others about the kind of God he is and the kind of places we're not stuck because of the kind of God he is. Let me read a different scripture to you than you have in your bulletin. I'm reading from 1 Peter in the first chapter, just a couple of the verses. Verses 3 and 4. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope. Now let me say that again. According to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. To obtain an inheritance which is imperishable, undefiled, and will not fade away. Reserved in heaven for you. When I first started talking to the Lord about preaching this message, I went down through the usual meanings of the word mercy, and I did through, went through the usual patterns of the word mercy. Looked up all the Hebrew words for mercy and all the Greek words for mercy, and there was really nothing new there. But something that was new struck me as I went through every, every biblical passage I could find in which the word mercy was found. And that was this, that mercy is not just a sentimental, forgiving attitude toward a wrong that has been done you. When I talked earlier in the week with Mitchell, um, he, he, he was talking about the difference between mercy and grace. And he said, I was always under the impression that grace was getting something that you didn't deserve and mercy was not getting something that you did deserve. And I thought, that's, that's a pretty good definition. But mercy is much more than that. Mercy is not leaving something alone because it's easier to let alone than it is to resurrect. Mercy is not leaving something alone, but adding something very difficult to your life because there's something yet to be done. Mercy is what is symbolized in the cross. You know, God wasn't satisfied just with being God. So according to Philippians 2, he left all that was God and came down and served as a servant. There was something that happened other than what had already been. And he wasn't satisfied with just classifying us as sinners and say, well, that's settled. They've gone away from me. That's their category. The whole idea of the cross is so that we would not be stuck in the place where we were. I remember some years ago, I was out in the hallway while people were coming in for church. It was in between services and, 
and some little, it was in a former church, and we had a, a big cross in the, on the uh, altar area. And uh, we're planning one for here, but it's a little unique. Um, and there's a big cross in the altar area, and, and a little kid who'd obviously never been to church before. This is their first time, you know. It's the stage where the kids start asking questions that the parents can't answer, and so they say, well, we've got to get them back in church. So here they are trucking in. The kid just gets a glance into the, into the, the sanctuary and, and looks at his dad and says, so, Dad, what's the big plus sign on, this, on the wall up there? <laughs> well, you know what? It's what a cross is. It's a plus sign. There is something that is added to life that you thought was settled that's not settled. And that's what mercy is. It is something that's added to life that you thought was settled that's not settled. Because as we go along in our lives, we have very painful things that happen to us. And some of those things are things for which we cannot forgive ourselves. So we stuff it down. And it goes down and we tamp it down like you do the tobacco in a pipe. But it stays lit. And it doesn't go away. And we live with it. Repeatedly. And some things people have done to us. And it's the same thing. We have that stuff down in our lives but it always comes back to us. And so mercy is the reopening of those things so that God does not leave us where we are. If you will look in Scripture, every time, every time the word is mercy is mentioned, it has the silent message, don't leave me as I am. Don't leave this situation as it is. Listen to this. In uh, Matthew... uh, Whatever we are here. Matthew 15, let's try. Matthew 15. A mother, a Canaanite woman, comes to Jesus and says, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is cruelly demon-possessed. You know what she's asking for? She's saying, Please don't leave us as we are. We have been through this for years. Please don't say that we have gone as far as we're going to. Please don't say this is a finished matter. Two chapters later, a man comes up and he has a son who is sick and he says, Lord, have mercy on my son for he is a lunatic. He is crazy and is very ill. He often falls into the fire and into the water. And I brought him to your disciples and they couldn't cure him. They probably just labeled him. They probably just diagnosed him and diagnosed him accurately. But they didn't change him. And the man came to Jesus and said, I want to be changed. Don't leave me as I am. Have mercy on me. Make a difference in my life. What is the plus that you can give? When Jesus was scolding the Pharisees, In Matthew 23, 23, he said, you guys, you tithe, you know, the tithe, for those of you who are very new in Christianity, the tithe is the Lord's 10%. That's the first, first money that is just specifically for his, all of it is the Lord's. But that first 10% is to go specifically to his use. That's just his. 
And so these Pharisees, being human beings and loving categories, immediately took that in and made it so structured and so sure that that's all they paid attention to. He said, you tithe every mint and dill and come and you give us 10% of everything. But you have neglected the weightier matters, the tougher matters, the stuff that you have to think about, like uh, justice and mercy and righteousness. Now, these you ought to have done. I mean, the tithe stands. You ought to do that. But without neglecting these others, you see, you have to come to a place where you can't categorize everything. You've got to think. And that's work. It is so much more difficult than that, than just go, go on down the line. You, you know, I don't know how you all feel about uh, science fiction. I love science fiction stuff. I've always been a science fiction um, uh, fan. I mean, when the old ones came out, the first, you, some of you are old enough to, to remember Alcoa Presents. You remember that? And uh, Outer Limits. There's nothing wrong with your set. Don't touch that dial. You have any, And Rod Serling, uh, whatever that was. Twilight Zone, great stuff. I love that stuff. It's great stuff. And then Star Trek and on down the line, see? And the neat thing about these shows were that they showed a unique uh, uh, angle of the human psyche. And I noticed when they were showing these, how many of those plots were about being overtaken by machines. This is as the computer age and the technological age is coming on full blast. We haven't entered the information age yet, but the technological age is making its impact fully known. And there is something in all of us that suspicions that machines will someday take us over. You know? Now, there's something, especially for guys like me, who know that machines hate them. Machines hate me. And they have, I mean, they showed, I mean, on the thing, they showed machines, lawnmowers starting up and coming after people. That's me. They'll do it if I'm around. But there is, there's something in all of us, kind of an irrational little kid that, that believes that uh, someday, maybe, technology will become so advanced that it will really develop what is called artificial intelligence. By the way, that field is still going strong. And so we are very afraid that someday we will become the slaves of machines and that machines will become so human-like they are human. Could I just submit to you that we are in much more danger of becoming like machines than machines are in becoming like us. That we don't have to worry nearly so much about being slaves as we do about being robots. Because we love to categorize things and then forget about them so that we can have them resolved in our lives. So that we don't have to open them up and think about them anymore. We are in danger of becoming computer-like much more, much more than machines are becoming human-like. Mercy is the quality to love when you wished it were finished. Mercy is the quality not to be finished with someone 
when by all rights you should be. And by all rights the world would be. Frederick, Frederick Nietzsche, who is the father of all that is horrible about secular humanism today and all that is machine-like, used to say there is something more horrible than vice. And that is to love what is weak and what is failure-like. And then he put a dash and wrote Christianity. He defined Christianity as that which enabled people to be weak. In a way, he's half right. Christianity is that which does not abandon someone because they are weak. And someone who doesn't categorize somebody and say, I'm done with you because you're weak or because you're not good or because you haven't met a certain standard. That's the Lord's heart. It does not get by justice. It is not mere sentimentality because mere sentimentality is simply another way to have done with something and not face it anymore. To throw your hands up and say, ah, I forgive you. I'm not going to think about it anymore. Heck with it. You know, that's not mercy. That is mere sentimentality. That is, that, is, that is humanitarianism at its worst. It doesn't avoid justice. One time when I was a little boy, we were playing, we, all, we played neighborhood games all the time, and we were playing baseball. And uh, <laughs> I'd just gotten a new baseball. And we went out and played in Butch Biglin's backyard. He had a huge backyard. And the first thing that he used to say in neighborhood games was, no dibs on windows, which means... If I break a window, I'm not paying for it. Now, that doesn't do any good as far as the owner of the window goes. I mean, you just reassure one another while you're at, no dibs on Yeah, no dibs, no dibs, no dibs, no dibs. Supposedly, the last one to say it had to pay, but of course they never did. Well, here we are out there. I'm up to bat. I'm the worst athlete in the entire world as far as baseball goes. Never have been able to do anything that required coordination. And it's, that, that was from the very youngest days. But for some reason... Today, I close my eyes, swing the bat, and it goes right through a neighborhood window. Well, the glass wasn't even finished hitting the floor before I was totally alone on that field <laughs> with a bat in my hand. And I was going like this. I had to get out, but it was my baseball. I just paid big bucks for that baseball. Saved up for it. And about the fourth little jerky movement, a guy comes out of the back door and goes, Oh, dead meat all the way over there. I thought, my goodness, this is the fourth major thing I've done this week. My parents are going to kill me. I'm dead meat. I've had it. And of course, by the time I get there, I'm kind of shaking, you know. Like this. I didn't know this guy from up. I didn't know who he was. I mean, that was another street. And so I was going like this, you know. And he bends down and says, Is this your ball? So now I respected my elders. I wouldn't lie. I said, Yeah. <laughs> he said, uh, Your parents would probably be pretty mad, wouldn't they, if uh, they knew you put a ball through my window? I said, Yeah, they really would. <laughs> I said, You really don't know how mad they'd be. 
I had visions of being sent to an orphanage somewhere. <laughs> he said, well, I'll tell you what. You got the money to pay for this window? No. I just spent all my money on the baseball. <laughs> what if I would give you a way to work out the cost of this window? And if you would do that, then it would just be between you and I. Your parents wouldn't have to know. I mean, as long as you're working it out and you're, you're doing what's right. That would be really nice. I'd really appreciate it. <laughs> and he did. He did. Mercy does not mean a circumvention of justice. It is the attitude that allows a person to add to what they could have been categorized as. It's the attitude that allows a person to come out of what they were. You understand? Now when we have mercy, according to how God has mercy on us, Luke 6, 36, something wonderful happens. People are not stuck where they've been. There's always a chance for things to get better. There's always a chance for people to become more Christ-like, more God-like. Now I say this to you, exhorting you this morning to do two things. First of all, it is very important that if someone has hurt you, that you not take the easy way out. And say to yourself, as you would as a good Christian, oh, I forgive them. I forgive them. I don't want to think it anymore. I forgive them. Never going to speak to them again, but I forgive them. No, no, no. Too easy. Does God do that with you? Just say, Phew. Look, you're on your own, you're forgiven, you've got a clean slate, I'm going to go spend my time over here. God doesn't do that with us. God comes to us and says, I know who you think you are, but that's not who you are. That's not who I made you to be. And he spends time with us. And the Holy Spirit comes alongside with us and strengthens us. Could I ask you right now, to think of someone who for whatever reason has hurt you and to reopen that relationship to the place where you can have mercy on them and you can pray for them. You may need to go to them if it's possible. You may need to go to them and to say to them, I am for you. I am in your corner. I am praying for you. You may need to do that. If you don't have mercy upon them, you are stuck. And there is no plus sign. Secondly, for those of you who find that easier than you find forgiving yourselves, let me ask you, have mercy on yourself. Don't categorize yourself in any one sect, in any one place in your life. Please don't say, this is who I am, this is who I've always been, and this is who I will always be. 
That's not true. God determines who you will be. God can determine who you will be if you will meet him at the cross. Would you have mercy on yourself to the point of reopening those sore places in your lives and continuing on out of those those places that make yourself make you mad at yourself every time you think of them those places that make you ashamed and you hope nobody ever finds out about would you please not stuff those down and stomp those into the ground until you have tried to say to yourself they really don't matter when to you they really do would you have mercy on yourself today even as God has mercy on you because if you don't, you realize Christ went to the cross for nothing. If you don't, you're still carrying what he carried for you. And that is putting more burden than either of you need. There's no sense in Christ carrying your sins if you keep ripping them out of his hands and wanting to do it on your own. Let me pray. And then after I pray, Jonah is going to come forward. He is a brother that is going to be with us and help us worship this morning and sing a song called The Day He Wore My Crown after he has a word with us. And I want you to listen to that and I want you to give to Jesus that crown that is yours that was meant for you and not carried around any longer. Pray with me. Lord God, it is so much easier just to have done with things and try to forget them rather than having the strength that is required by mercy to work through them. We wish we could run away and have those parts of our lives disconnect from us. But there's a resolution that needs to be done if you are ever to add to our lives what you want to. The purity and the grace that we need in order to be mature and to be like your son. So this morning, help us to be merciful to those people who drive us crazy and help us to be merciful because we have the weakness of being driven crazy. Help us to be merciful to them and to be merciful to us but more than anything, not as an act that we have started but an act as an act that recognizes your mercy on their lives and on ours. You know more than we do, Lord. You know us in all of our frailty, in all of our promise. Help us to count on your mercy to model for us what you would have. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.